this is really kind of interesting uh, passage of scripture. If you if you haven't been with us about Hebrews, it's literally this. I'll, I'll say it quickly, but it's it's Jewish people that believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that He's the Savior, which is very rare. Uh, they they truly believe that He died for their sins, that He was put on the cross and His blood was poured out and they receive forgiveness of all their sins, past, present, and future. And obviously the majority of the Jews don't believe that. They don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He wasn't their knight in shining armor that came along to save them and rescue them. And so they're literally trying to get these Hebrew Christians, the people that believe in Jesus, to come back to the faith, the Jewish faith, and go back to the temple and make sacrifices and things like that, which is unnecessary because Jesus has already dealt with it. And so this whole letter of Hebrews is written to these Hebrew Christians saying, stay firm in your faith. Trust what you know. Trust what you've been taught. Don't go back to the old covenant. The old covenant is obsolete. I'm not saying that. The Bible says that. It's obsolete. You are a New Testament church. You have grace and mercy and forgiveness. And he's changed your life. But, so what he's done here in in chapter 11, as Matt was uh, saying, uh, we talked about that verse last week, we're picking up in verse 13, we're picking up in verse 13, is that all these faith people of the Old Testament, they believed that a Messiah was coming. Go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, and they knew that someone was coming to save them from their sin and their separation from God. And so they believed God and the promises that he made that somehow, somehow, they would be totally forgiven and made righteous. Now, if you've been with us and you've been studying with us, you know that all the Old Testament people, they were only credited righteousness. They weren't made righteous. They just received credit because the righteousness came through Jesus on the cross. And they lived before the cross. So they couldn't be made righteous. But he's trying to encourage, he's trying to encourage these Hebrew Christians by going back all the people that you've had on this pedestal of these faith people and even us today we have these people on pedestals because they're Bible characters and they're faithful people and they, they also blew it at that time this should be reassuring to you that these Bible characters blew it they blew it but they're recorded here in this book of faith So he's causing us to go back and look at these people. And here's the interesting thing is all these people never look back. They always look forward. They look forward to what was coming. So it's kind of crazy that we're looking back and he's basically saying, don't look back. He's saying, look forward. So watch this as we get into verse 13. It says, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did, and, and he's literally, he went back to Adam and Eve and all these people in the Old Testament. He says, they did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. So like, 
neither Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob possessed the promised land. Even to this day, they haven't possessed this promised land. Yeah, there's, there's Jewish people that live in the holy lands, but it's not their land. They, as you can see through the news, it's a battle. It's a battle in 2023. It's almost like, how, how can you not see this thing? I mean, it's playing out in our life. It really is. It's playing out in our life. It's played out in everybody's life throughout all these years. They're in the land, but they don't possess the land. They, these men and women trusted God's promise and knew that one day, one day they're going to be resurrected. They're going to be resurrected and they'll take possession of the land. Verse 14 says, Obviously people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. They're literally seeking a new Jerusalem. There's a place that they know about, just like you and I know about, if I'm absent from the body, I'm present with the Lord. There's, you know, I, I would go, th- I keep birthdays on my calendar. That's how we, like, keep up with stuff like that. And when they actually, like, pass away, I change the color. It's kind of weird, but it's in memory. I don't erase, I don't erase their birthdays. I want to remember, remember them as people of faith that were a part of this group. And I was going through that yesterday, and I'm like, there's almost someone on every week. Someone on every week that has passed away that is either a friend or family or part of Leavener that has been faithful, been faithful. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, they're with Jesus right now. Absolutely. They looking forward to a country they can call their own. Dr. George Morrison, he's a Scottish preacher, once said, the important thing is not what we live in, but what we look for. Someone needed to hear that statement today. That you can be so caught up and consumed with the the very moment that we're living in and all the junk that you're dealing with right here today that you forget there's hope for a future. The, the, I'm not living for today. I'm not up here teaching about today. It's not, it's not about this. It's about there's something coming that's much greater than this. And that's my hope. Verse 15, it says, if they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for him. They, these people that we're talking about, these people of faith, they're literally willing to die to wait for this promise that God has made for them. Like, if, if that's it, you know, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and if I die, I know that God will come through. I know he'll come through. Verse 17, it says... It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, remember what his promises were, is that he would have many descendants, right? And Isaac was born late to him and Sarah later on in life. And now he's going to have to go sacrifice Isaac? 
wait, I'm supposed to have many descendants, and it's, if it's going to come through my son Isaac, how am I going to sacrifice him and still have descendants? It says, Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac. Even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham, watch this. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. Like, if I literally have to kill Isaac as a sacrifice because God told me to out of obedience, then I believe that God will resurrect Isaac. Like, Abraham believed in a resurrection. He believed in a future. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. He literally didn't have to kill Isaac. There was another plan that was made. So now what this writer in Hebrews is saying is the patriarchs, the people that you have up on the pedestals, they literally believe in a resurrection. Abraham knew for God's promises to be fulfilled that God would have to resurrect, Abra- have to re- resurrect Isaac if Abraham killed him. This shouldn't really surprise us from God because it was a foreshadowing of what his son was going to do for us. Verse 20. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. (laughs) So now we move on from Abraham to Isaac and Jacob and Esau. We not only live victoriously, but we can die victoriously. Isaac eventually honored, he honored the blessing of Jacob over Esau. You guys know the story of Jacob and Esau, where Jacob literally tricked Esau into receiving his own blessing, Esau's blessing. Jacob got it. And I can imagine that at the time, it probably didn't sit well when it actually happened. But Isaac got to a point in his relationship with Jacob that he honored this blessing of Jacob over Esau. Isaac knew that the blessing that was transferred to Jacob was irrevocable. He knew that it was going to happen. He was a man of faith. Verse 21, it was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. Jacob gave his blessings to Ephraim and Manasseh. These blessings, they were not received until Joshua led them into the promised land. So these blessings literally were made in faith. They really were. Verse 22, it says, It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently, that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. Like, Joseph knew, Joseph knew that a land was promised to him and his Jewish people. And when he was about to die, he's like, I know we haven't got the land yet, but when I, when I die, please take my bones to that land. Like, there was... Not looking back, but looking forward. Like a faith, a hope. He's literally on his deathbed, and all he can think about is the future. You think about 
Joseph lived most of his life in Egypt when he was like sold into slavery by his brothers. He didn't care about that land so much. He cared about the land that God promised his people. Verse 23. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. So for three months, you know the story about Moses, that they were actually taken into captivity by the Egyptians and that they were killing the first sons of all the Israelites so that they wouldn't take power over their own land. So Moses' parents hid him for three months. Then they put him in the river. And Pharaoh's wife got Moses and raised Moses in a king's court. Literally, that's what happened. It's beautiful because his parents recognized that he was going to be used by God. <laughs> My mom uh, is with Jesus, but she would always tell me and say to other people that when Rusty was born, I knew that he was going to be used by God. I don't know how she knew that. I'm thankful, you know, that she would remind me of that and teach me about that. And I believe that's true. But that's exactly what what's happened here with Moses' parents. It's like he's like, I, I surrender this child to the Lord. I'm literally laying him in a river. I don't know how it's going to play out. But somehow he's going to serve the Lord and be used. It was that recognition that caused them to literally risk their own lives by hiding him for three months. It was by faith. Because the king had made this edict. All Jewish boys were to be killed. And Moses had this sovereignty over him as he was retrieved from the Nile River by Pharaoh's daughter. And watch this, verse 24. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. What ha Moses was with his parents for like three months. Yet he chose to cling to his parents' faith. He, he literally is opting for eternal rewards rather than the lavish temporary rewards it, Matt it is exactly what you're talking about up here literally Moses had available to him anything that he wanted here on earth I mean, he, he was a part of Pharaoh's family he could have any possession that he wanted yet he chose the spiritual route that his parents had looking forward in faith and you have to remember here what this Hebrew author is trying to convince the people not to return to something that was easier for them. Like, don't go back to that, even though it'd be easier and people would stop abusing you and everything else. It, this, this is the hard road. This is the hard road. And we look back at all these patriarchs, these people of the Old Testament, and we go, yeah, they didn't have it easy at all. They literally died for what they believed. 
And yet we, we sit here today and we go, yeah, we got a pretty rough life. <laughs> Not compared to these people. He's literally saying, stay with what you know. Even though it seems easier, walk by faith. Verse 26, he says, he thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. Talking about Moses. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. Symbolic to Jesus taking on humanity for the greater reward of saving those who are chosen in Christ. That's literally what has happened here. By, by acting in faith, we, we obtain wisdom. Like, I truly believe wisdom comes from God. You want wisdom? Ask God for it. You want knowledge? Go out and read and study and memorize and read and study and memorize and get knowledge. But if you want wisdom, you better ask the Lord for it. And really all this wisdom is is being able to see things from God's perspective. Like, seeing things from a world's perspective, (laughs) you end up with Barbie. But seeing things from God's perspective, man, you are totally out of this world. You, you, you don't belong here. This is not our world. I, I'm glad to be a part of it. I'm glad to like have an impact to love people in the midst of the chaos and everything else. It's, and you know, to continue to to talk about Jesus. There, there's no question about it. I, I I love that. But it's not going to be easy because the world teaches a whole different thing. Taking taking the easy road is not necessarily walking by faith. Micah, walking out of your job with a salary is not easy. I know, I've been there, I've done it. Okay, my elders, like, back in <laughs> 2007, I got to send out letters and and uh, get support from my family. And they looked at me and said, why would you do that? Well, I'm like, well, I need an income. And they're like, why don't you just trust the Lord? Huh, just trust the Lord. Yeah, easy for you to say, Mr. John Hancock and Mr. C.P. Morgan. And easy for you go home and tell my wife, we're just going to trust the Lord. And they looked at me and said, why wouldn't you do that? Like, literally, they drew the line in the sand. And I went home and said, Michelle, we're going to trust the Lord. And to this day, we've trusted the Lord. And he's given me everything that I need far beyond everything that I need. Taking the easy road is not necessarily walking by faith. Walking by faith walking by faith gives you this adventure that you would never have imagined. Like I never would imagine this that fifteen years in this building. Rent free. Explain that. Explain it. Doesn't make any sense in this world. When we first started meeting in Pinheads, they were losing their shorts 
five business owners built this thing and they were losing money left and right. Yet, God put us in here and has never charged us a dime. It doesn't make any sense. And, and that's what I want. I want to be a part of something that doesn't make any sense. I can't explain it. I don't want to be able to explain what we do. Because if I, if I do, if I do, then it's me doing it. Verse 27, it says, It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Oh, that's it, that's it. Moses, like, stayed this course of pursuing God and his promises even when the people rejected Moses. And they wanted to return to Egypt. Remember that? Moses like, stay focused. Stay focused. No, let's just go back to Egypt. It was, it was terrible then, but it's still better than what we've got now here in this so-called wilderness. <laughs> I, I get that you go through seasons of grief. I get it. You, you're going through broken relationships. I get it. You're going through uh, acts of rebellion and sin that's happening within your family for a season or two seasons. But Moses was in this wilderness for 40 years, people grumbling. 40 years. No wonder his name's in the book of faith. 40 years of listening to people just gripe about stuff. I know you got it bad. But let's look at Moses. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. It was a it was faith that caused Moses to start the Passover and to cross the Red Sea. You know, the whole Passover, which is still still done today, they still remember, like, again, how can you not take the word of God and go, this is for real? Because people all over the world are doing Passover. Jews are doing the Passover, and the Passover was basically they put the the blood over the doorpost so that when the angel of death came by that their kids didn't die and God protected them. So let's remember this occasion. And it's still happening today. And it's interesting that this writer right here, he focuses on Moses' faith rather than him receiving and obeying the law. You've got to get that. Moses is the one that received the Ten Commandments and told everybody about the Ten Commandments. And the writer here is not even like talking about the law. He's talking about the faith of Moses looking forward and what's to come and the hope that he has. It's another way the writer's encouraging them not to return to that sacrificial system. In verse 30 it says this, And it was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, Rahab, the prostitute, is in the list of faithful people. (laughs) Hopefully that brings you some encouragement. (laughs) 
it was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Jericho was actually in the promised land. The writer skips the wilderness history because there's very little faith during that time. Not much faith going on in the wilderness. Just a lot of grumbling. But Rahab, she comes along and she assists the Hebrew spies, the people sent into the land to check out the land because she had heard about this mighty God of the Jews. And it was her faith that caused her to help them. And guess what? Rahab, who's in the faith list, she mothered Boaz who grandfathered David. Rahab, once, once a harlot, became King David's great-grandmother. <laughs> That's awesome. Verse 32. How much more do I need to say? <laughs> he says, literally, how, how, have I not given you a whole list of people that you put on a pedestal? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon. You know Gideon, he's the one that destroyed this group of Midianites with only 300 men. He, he's the one that was like, he was so insecure about himself, Gideon was. He's so insecure about himself. He had thousands of soldiers that he came, was coming to battle with because there's no way we can win this thing. And God's like whittling them down to 10,000, whittling them down to like, 3,000, whittle them down to 300 men. I'm fighting the Midianites with 300 men. Yeah, because you're not doing it, Gideon. I'm doing it for you. He was a man of faith. Barak. He was the one that was destroyed the army of King Jabin, including his commander. Samson. He's the one that defeated the Philistines. Jephthah. He's the one that delivered the people from the Ammonites. And David. He's the only king that's mentioned right here. He was a mighty warrior, and he defeated the giant Goliath. Oh, none of your men can beat Goliath? I got my slingshot. Just let me pick up these five stones. And the first one took him down. (laughs) I was thinking of the baseball fight last night. said David and then Samuel a godly man who was the last Old Testament judge he was also the prophet that anointed Saul and David and then what about all the prophets what about all these prophets that are listed here in our Bible all had character flaws but not mentioned here because their stories were failures but they were really triumphs of faith triumphs of faith over the enemy they believed we're living in terrible times but God said this so we're going to believe God and watch it happen verse 33 it says by faith these people overthrew kingdoms ruled them with justice and received what God had promised them they shut the mouths of lions Daniel did shut the mouth of a lion Quench the flames of fire. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were in a they were in a burning furnace. And when they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. I can't even like smoke a piece of meat on my smoker without coming inside and smelling like smoke. They they were inside the furnace. They were inside the smoking machine and they couldn't even smell like smoke. And they escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. If you walk by faith, you will suffer for your faith. Jesus said that. There's going to be suffering. We live in a political world. I get it, I get it, I get it. There's this group over here and there's this group over here. Then there's just a lot right in here but because you believe in Jesus you will be ridiculed it's not real it's not real baloney the more the more you become intimate with your father the more you walk by faith and you do things differently than the world and when you do things differently than the world you will suffer You'll stand out in the world, but you will suffer. And if you don't stand out in this fallen world, then it's probably most likely that you never really got to know the heart of God. Because the heart of God is different than the rest of this world. Verse 35. Women received their loved ones back again from death, but others were tortured refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They place their hope in a better life after the resurrection. That better life, someday I'm going to receive a heavenly body, a resurrected body. Verse 36, some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. They say that's their tradition of how Isaiah died, is that he was sawed in half. It doesn't, it's not proven, but tradition says that that's what happened to him. And others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. Whether a believer dies by his enemy's hands or is supernaturally delivered, which is what happened with Enoch, faith always, always is victorious over death. He's literally saying, wake up. Don't go back to the old system. Live this adventure that's out there. There's an adventure that's waiting for you out there. Yes, there's going to be pain and suffering, and some of you are sitting in the middle of it right now. I get it. And you keep asking the question, how long do I have to wait? How long do I have to wait? 40 years of grumbling. You, and and here, here's the thing is, you're not going to be the first ones to go through it. You're not. We look back to see that they made it. We're, we're not in this alone. And in fact, we have a cakewalk compared to what I just read right here. 
He's saying, walk on. Exercise your faith. Trust what you know. I say to you right here in this room, trust what you know. We, 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 teach, we teach this every week. Just trust it. Get ready for the adventure. And then the last couple of verses it says, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. You keep thinking, there's an end to this thing. Yeah, there is an end to this thing, but it may not be here on the face of this earth. When I see Jesus face to face, he says, for God had something better in mind for us so that we would not reach perfection without us. So that they would not reach perfection without us. Reaching perfection. They're They're not going to reach perfection without us. How do you reach perfection? One, the Old Testament people couldn't reach perfection. He's telling these Hebrew Christians, they can't do it without us. Why? Because you're born after the cross. You're present after the cross. There's something that perfects us. What is it? Well, it was the cross. It was Jesus. It was his blood poured out. When his blood was poured out, it was the sacrifice for our sins. Like the sins that you're going to do 2,000 years later. <laughs> not the sins, not just the sins you've already done or the sins you're doing, but the sins that you're going to do. It was all dealt with one time, one sacrifice. And so when that occurred, you became forgiven. He made you a new creation, put a new heart in you, and he made you perfect. Post-cross, we have been perfected. There's nothing more that God can do for me than he's already done. I'm, I'm done. Yeah, I'm still in this flesh suit and I'm going to die and there's another body waiting for me, but my soul and spirit, which is eternal, is done. It's perfected. It's holy. It's righteous. I can't do anymore. So stop trying even in the midst of the chaos. Stop. If I can tell you to do any one thing, know Jesus. Know Jesus. Get to know him. Father, that's my prayer, is that we uh, know you more, that we trust you. Um, I trust your word. I sit here and look at these men and women of faith even with all their blemishes and failures and everything else, that uh, they trusted you, even unto death. May we do the same, even today. May we trust you today. And that's my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.